Welcome aboard, Captain. Back to Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze and discuss Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. <laughs> I'm one of your co-hosts, Chris LaSalle, and I must be your other giggling co-host, David Stoker. Shut up! <laughs> I was giggling because I didn't say celebrate. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we are back. We we're talking about Minute Fifty Seven of The Search for Spock. Minute 57 starts with David saying, I'll do it, give me your phaser, and ends a minute later with Kirk saying, keep trying, check off. So yeah, so this minute leaves off, or just wraps up the uh, the scene between Savick and David on Genesis, and uh, David uh, with his magical tricorder that can do anything. <laughs> yes. It, it, knows, it knows Spock is aging, it knows the planet's aging, it knows they're linked, it knows they're being followed. What doesn't it know? It does. It knows everything. Right. So they know they're being followed, uh, presumably by whoever attacked uh, and destroyed the Grissom. Also right. an assumption uh, on Savick and David's part. They're assuming that the Grissom has been destroyed. <laughs> so a lot of assumptions going on. Yes. Um, well, they don't know. They don't know anything. I mean, they knew that they were engaged in some sort of battle. They were, you know, they can't communicate anymore. She's making... She's logically thinking of it. She, mm, mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'd like to be in that Vulcan class where they talk about logic versus assumptions. Mm. <laughs> How did she Maybe. make that leap from, you know, again, if we saw debris raining down from the sky, that's probably a good guess. Grissom's gone. Anyway, sorry, not this minute. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so so uh, David David is saying I'll do it, right? So they, they know yes. they're getting closer. Savick said I'm going to do it, and said David said no, I'm going to do it. And presumably, uh, do it doing it means I'm going to go confront these people. Well, that's what I figured. Yeah, which bad idea, genes, right? Oh yeah, definitely. But, well, we don't, and also you know, going to confront these people again, you could assume they're hostile if they're. If they did destroy the Grissom and all that good stuff, mm. do you think that if they knew they were Klingon, would they be so gung ho to go confront them? You well, know, or... I, I don't think so. But you know that they're powerful enough that they destroyed your ship, or you assume they destroyed your ship. Mm -hmm. So why would you think you could take one tiny little phaser? How many? With his magical tricorder, does he know how many people are there? Mm. Does he know that three are approaching? Does he know that there's a dozen more or however many more on the ship? Does he know that the ship could come down and rain fire upon them? You're getting very biblical all of a sudden. Well, no, I'm just thinking like <laughs> they think like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, I'll just go and confront them with my phaser and everything will be OK. I'll talk to them. Yeah. Why might... not? Why not find a strategic place to hide and take them out one at a time with your phaser? <laughs> You're a doctor, man. You're. Yeah, what do you know? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe yeah. that's what he should have done. Maybe that's what Savick was going to do, and David doesn't know better. Yeah, he's. I think again, like I said last minute, he's trying to quote make up for everything he's caused by saying, "I'll go and do it." Yeah. But we well, all both. I think we both know that that is a bad idea. Right. <laughs> I. 
Now, I also say that, you know, people are so much braver in movies than they are in real life. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, there's a bad guy's coming. I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> as, I'm fi- as I'm 50 yards away. See ya! <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm going to go Because I've already started leaving. <laughs> I'm going to go climb that tree and hide. You stay here me. with Spock and his pond far. I'll, I'll catch you later. Yeah. Yeah. He should be pretty quiet when the bad guys are walking by. <laughs> He'll help you hide. <laughs> All right. So this minute we leave the planet of Genesis and we're back on the bridge of the Enterprise, um, which I have not been a fan of the last few minutes. We keep having scenes on the bridge. Yeah. Because it just, there's been too many jokes or just, you know, the, the, chemistry hasn't been there and so when i you know i saw what was on the schedule this week i'm like oh god back on the bridge i'm a little i was a little leery yeah um but this one uh better i think this is one of the better bridge moments uh and maybe it's just me what do you think is this a is this a, is this a good bridge scene or a bad bridge scene so i think i think it's a good i think it's they sort of have you know they have a little bit of a joke but i feel like they I think they did okay in this one. If there was anything I did not like about this scene, it is the lighting. Um, and you laugh, but I, I, I think the lighting over Chekhov in particular just looks really weird. It, it looks like he is on a set. Yeah. And it makes, you know, I know we've, particularly in Wrath of Khan, most of the movie is spent in red alert, so it's in darkness and it looks really cool. And... But when you you know you look at Chekhov and you see him, he is in this weird light, and I know that the lights changed when they went into warp speed, but I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before when they've gone into warp speed. Um, but when you look at Sulu and Scotty and Kirk in the foreground, the lighting looks okay, but it just it feels too bright. Yeah, it does. I agree. Chekhov looks like he's sitting underneath like a recessed lighting. Yes, totally. But on the bright side, and I don't know if we've noted this before, his white collar's gone. Yeah, how did did he get tired of it and be like, I'm done with little Lord Fauntleroy outfit? <laughs> is I don't know if we've noted this might be the first time I've noticed it. I don't know if we missed it in previous minutes, um, but it's gone, and thank God. And 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 I guess it's gone, so it was an optional part of his outfit. So if you know if you just stay like let's not let's not go behind the scenes let's just say hey it's Chekhov yeah. it's Chekhov just oh I don't like this white thing I'm taking it off right yeah or did he, or did was he actually sitting there with scissors and did he... Chekhov what are you doing over there nothing this collar so scratchy <laughs> what do you think do you think Kirk just went over and said get rid of that thing and just ripped it right off I can't look at you anymore <laughs> what, what is with this outfit man. If any of them was going to do it, I feel like McCoy would be the one to do it. Rip the collar off? Oh, yeah. He'd totally go over and go, check off. What are you, what are you doing, man? <laughs> you look ridiculous. Would it be McCoy in Spock mode or McCoy? Uh, it would be Spock. Spock wouldn't do it. Yeah, Spock wouldn't do it. Your collar is not logical. <laughs> it makes no sense. <laughs> Remove it now. But yeah, I I don't think I really noticed that until you said it. So that's another that's another reason to celebrate hmm. uh, this minute <laughs> and and this bridge scene is the collar's gone, so it makes things a little better. Sure. And you know, again, so go so thinking about it, why do I like this 
bridge scene better than most. I feel like it's a little bit of, we get a little bit of, <clears throat> we're back into some pre procedural stuff. So, you know, Chekhov's like, he's listening in on Starfleet, calling out to the Grissom. Mm. Uh, they're giving him, they're warning Grissom that Enterprise is on its way. Um, and Grissom's not responding. And Chekhov does say something odd where he says nothing. You know, Kirk asks, what's the response? Chekhov says nothing as before. Right. It, I don't remember. Have I already forgotten? Did we already? Did Kirk already try to contact the Grissom? I don't think so. I don't think so. But I think he's. Um, I feel like we missed a, a scene. Maybe they've been monitoring since then, and maybe there is. They've been contacting. Maybe he's been monitoring. This isn't the first time Starfleet Starfleet has been calling Grissom. Maybe, yeah. Again, it's one of the. I feel like it's a. You know, maybe it's a miss, a miss line here. You know, they they sort of you know because Sir Starfleet's calling USS Grissom a warning about us, which sounds Kirk, like a first time, right? That's yes, like first which, time. exactly. It sounds like a first time, and then Kirk says response, nothing as before. So maybe other, maybe they've been monitoring other things going to the Grissom, and. They're saying that, you know, I, obviously he's advancing us to know that so that they can know that uh, something's going wrong with the Grissom. Like they're not able to respond or unwilling to respond, <laughs> as it were. Yeah. Um, but they're, I think they're just saying because if it just left at, you know, sir, Starfleet's calling, response, nothing. Like you just sort of get – but – with you add the as before and they sort of get, Oh, well maybe something is really wrong. You yeah. know, there were multiple attempts to contact them and nothing, you know, it's nothing. They're not responding. And now this time they're not responding to Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. I think it's, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's either we missed a scene or it's really just the setup yeah. for really what Kirk says next. He's like, well, what's the, what are they up to? Will she, will Grissom join us? Will she fire on us? Yeah. Which I think is kind of, again, I kind of like that moment too, because it's a little bit of a reminder of when the Reliant first showed up. Mm, this you is know? damn peculiar. Yeah, damn peculiar. Peculiar. So, uh, so I like that. I like the, that little tiny bit of a callback or tension builder, you know? Right. And then his 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 response, which is very Kirk-like, break radio silence and send Captain Esteban my compliments. So he's going to immediately try to suck up to Esteban. My compliments. My compliments. And what a fine captain you are, sir. I love the way your hair parts. <laughs> I do love the, you know, we've talked about this too, is, you know, sometimes, you know, Kirk has to give all these orders, you know, like when they're pulling out a space dock, like, all mm. right, you know. Detach all moorings and a head one quarter impulse. He's giving all these hyper detailed commands that everybody should know how to do, right? Mm. But then he'll do something like this where he says, Send Esteban my compliments. Like, what, what kind of compliment? Like, <laughs> just like you said, what, do you want me to tell him how nice his ship is? Or I like the way you're, <laughs> you wear a uniform? What, you know, he, he leaves that one open ended. So I would love I to like hear the what line Chek of your jib, my friend. <laughs> I'd love to hear what Chekhov comes up with. <laughs> <laughs> we should listen because I think he actually. We should probably go back and listen. I think we can hear him calling Grissom in the background, and I wasn't really paying attention to what he's saying. Yeah, me neither. I... <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's too bad we can't hear everything Chekhov is saying with his yeah. compliments because we can hear Chekhov in the background, like just reaching out to Grissom, 
you know, hey, please respond. I'm on this channel, whatever. Right. But we don't actually get to say, Captain Kirk loves your hair. <laughs> you have such a well-pressed uniform. <laughs> so, he, yeah, Chekhov responds with, I, sir. And then Kirk makes his way over to McCoy, where he uh, gives us the joke for this minute and says, how are we doing? I like that one. I that one's. I'll allow it. That's a funny one. It's You'll allow it. Well, what, Will what, you? Do you not like it? Um, it's okay. <laughs> it's uh, I, I like it because it's you know. It's like he's not looking at the camera, and winking. He he says it with a little <laughs> bit of smile. I I feel like he's saying it with affection. You know, like it. You know, he's, he right. cares. Um. So it's it's a little bit back to the more subtle humor. Uh, I feel like it's it's a weird setup though. It's like they you see him sort of coming forward in the scene. So there's you know Kirk is sort of making his way over to McCoy. Then you cut to McCoy on the left side of the screen, and he sort of he sees Kirk coming. Then you see Kirk coming in the frame, and then it's almost like three or four seconds worth of them just sort of standing there. And then and then finally Kirk says. How are we doing? I feel like it's very awkward because I feel like McCoy even looks away at one point. It's like, okay, what's going on here? Say your line. Yeah, say your line. What do you think of his response? Is, is how are we doing? We are doing fine. Oh, no, he didn't say that. Oh, he does no, he say says, that. Yeah, yeah, he says, how are we doing? Funny, you should put it that quite that way, Jim. We are doing fine. I will say I love... And, and maybe I misspoke when I said there was only one joke. Uh, there's actually two jokes, and I feel like this one is quite funny. But I'd feel safer giving him one of my kidneys than what's scrambled in my brain. Clever. Clever. Does he know? They know. I guess they know. That's what they're trying to do now, right? Is they want, they want to get the they want to get Spock out of his yeah. head. That's right. The mission. I think so. I think I think McCoy knows. Yes, he wants yeah. to get. Well, he knows from back when they were in the prison, and he tells him he's like, you know, Spock did a mind meld on you, and we're trying to, we're trying to get this all resolved. Right. And yeah, so McCoy knows that uh, they're trying to get that done. There's a missed opportunity here, right, for like Kirk to sit down and say, "Well, tell me about it. What do you mean scrambled in your brain? What's going on in there?" A little bit. I, th you know? I feel like I feel like I would definitely like to know what he's going through. Like his. I know. So many times we've, I know we've talked about it. Like, yeah, I, somebody give us the show us the experience that McCoy's having, and even if Spock right. is having. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to ask a question, and I know we weren't going to necessarily talk about this subject, but I just sort of thought about this. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so we've obviously last minute we talked a little bit about Ponfar. Yes. Is it a physi physiological? thing that happens with Vulcans and hear me out so we know that Savick had said to David Ponfar is a Vulcan male ritual that they must endure every seven years of their adult life and we know things are going to happen on the planet so where McCoy has Spock's Katra soul whatever you want to call it in Katra. his brain does the Katra also experienced Ponfar, so would McCoy, in essence, feel Ponfar every seven years as well? So you're if, saying, you're so, saying, if he was, if 
Ipcoy held on to Spock in his head. Yes. For seven years. Yes. Would he experience Ponfar? Yes. Hell That's yes. What? You, you think so? <laughs> I think you just I think you just described an episode of Star Trek that is <laughs> that has either happened <laughs> or will happen. Because they've touched on all sorts of variables of Ponfar, right? They we know that uh, that women have it. That women also yes. experience Ponfar, even though. Savick actually said only males do because I think up yep. until this point only it's males only have. Yes. Uh, but later in the in the other series, I think T'Pol experiences Ponfar, so it's we know that it happens to females as well. Yes. Um, but I think this is a, I think it's a fantastic. What if someone was carrying a Katra and it was Ponfar time? Right. There you go. You got yourself an episode. <laughs> Good. So I just was. It, it just as he sort of says that, you know, you know, when he, he makes the comment, he says, but I feel safer giving him one of my kidneys and then what's scrambling my brain. So he clearly has a Vulcan Katra within him. But we know that Spock body, you know, empty vessel is going to be experiencing Ponfar. Mm-hmm. So is it the oh, is it the is it the physiological body that feels it because he is a Vulcan or is it his mind will also experience it? I think you just answered the question. I think I think it's a physiological thing, and it's the body. Right. Okay. And not that the you know obviously if you were in the body, you're you are going to be emotionally, you know, you know the hormones will be raging, so you're emotionally going to be affected by it as well. Right. But I think it's I think it's a physical thing. Okay. So yeah, that was my question. Was was it a physical thing? So that so conceivably, if a Vulcan joined with a human in a sort of reverse mind meld. Um, <laughs> The human would feel what Ponfar is if they were stuck in their body. Okay, so. Okay. So then I think we also answered this so that, that McCoy will not feel Ponfar. Yes, so he, I think, yeah, I agree. Mind only. Mind only. Okay. All right. All right. We're answering all the important questions here at Star Trek Minute. <laughs> I just was thinking of that because we obviously this is going to be the next few episodes are going to be about Ponfar. And yeah. why go one minute without talking about it? Right. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. So here's a question for you, <clears throat> and yeah. I might be. Do tell me if I'm if I'm reaching too far. Sure. Uh, McCoy's line of "I'd feel safer giving him one of my kidneys than what's scrambled in my brain." <laughs> I still uh, think it's funny. Okay. I'm glad you know. I'm glad, it's it is it's kind of, it's funny. It's kind of funny. I don't know. It's kind of funny. But. Uh, is this a setup for the kidney? Isn't it a kidney joke in the Voyage Home? There is a kidney joke in Voyage Home. Yes, um, I don't know if this is. This goes back to my bigger thing of they are trying to things of the day in the eighties are you know whether it's the signs or the some of the sounds we've commented on mm-hmm. sound like they're from the the 80s and i feel like this is another thing that they're bringing from our time that i don't necessarily feel would have been a thing in the 23rd century or oh oh making the i'd give my left left kidney that kind of joke. right oh, yeah. so to further what you said and to go one movie ahead yes he in the hospital in the hospital scene mccoy runs into a woman who says she's on dialysis 
and he gives her a pill and says, what is this, the Dark Ages? And next thing you know, she's riding around in the wheelchair that says, I've got a new kidney. I've got a new kidney. So, yeah, I feel like it's a little bit of a weird joke for them to make. But again, I think it's like one of those things. It's a sign of the times that they talk about something that may may or may, may not have been happening at that time. I don't know when the first kidney transplant was, and I'm not going to guess at it. But I'm not a scientist like David, so um, – so I, but, I just want—I just wonder, knowing that that it, the grow, you know, getting a new kidney is as simple as taking a pill. He's kind of underselling it here, isn't he? Well, a little I feel, bit, yeah. I feel safer giving one of my kidneys than what's scrambling my brain. Like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, that's you just have to take a pill for that. <laughs> it's not so dire, I guess. Giving kidneys not so dire. Well, we know what the implications are as the audience, so we we get like what he's what he's implying here. He's saying that. You open me up and take a kidney out is better than what's going on in my brain right now. All right. I was just trying to pick at it. (laughs) Star Trek minute. (laughs) Uh, All right. So missed opportunity. We don't get to know what really is scrambled up in his brain, even though we'd love to. Well, I think he gives, I, you know, now that now that we're talking about this and we sort of went through the whole joke a little bit in the pain of a kidney, I think he sort of gives us a little bit. He gives us a glimpse of, which I will agree with you, that it is a lost, you know, a lost opportunity here to, to expand on it. But he does say that he's probably in a world of hell right now. Well, you know, it, it, it sucks pretty bad to have him in my brain. It's probably taking all his willpower just to be McCoy. Mm, okay. Because just I'm just thinking like what it would be like if someone took my kidney, <laughs> and what it would feel like, and how bad that would probably suck. Yeah, and I, I can get... only imagine like what if he's saying that he'd rather do that than have what's going on. I can only imagine he's he's got to be living some serious crap in the. In his brain, right? I like that though. That he, you know, how, you know, how hard is he having to focus right now just to stay McCoy? Right. You know, if he wasn't, or if he was just letting everything wash over him and not trying to control everything, would he just be keeping McCoy, Spock, McCoy, Spock, McCoy, Spock? You know, it would just be, he'd be a, a sweaty mess and. Right. Uh, yeah. Because I know they injected him with some medication to help him. Yes. Because uh, he doesn't look too worse for wear. Um, Have so we? Yeah. So. Uh, I'm going to go on a little divergent here as we're talking about Spock and McCoy. Have we talked about the irony of the whole situation that it is McCoy who has Spock in him? Oh, it's delicious. I I don't know if we ever actually came out and mentioned like how funny just that whole setup is that you have two people that were completely at odds with each other throughout the whole series. Not that they weren't friends, but you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that he has McCoy has Spock in his brain. It is like the antithesis of almost everything he hates about him. The logic, the right. It it, it just makes for it. Maybe that's why he's sort of he says you know, and that's what's scrambled in my you know what's scrambled in my brain because he does not want the logic portion of Spock you know coming coming through. I, I feel like this that comment could mean anything. Yeah, that's, I don't think we have talked about it, and I and I 
you know, from a filmmaking perspective and a storytelling perspective, of course it's McCoy, right? Because yes. it's because they are, you know, they've been at such odds and they're, you know, the, the, almost a yin and yang. And uh, it, it's it's delicious that they did those two. Yes. And when you think about it, if you, you know, I don't remember if we talked about this last season or not. <clears throat> when you think about it, when they did that, when they made the decision to put the remember into Wrath right. of Khan and do that moment, uh, I mean, Leonard Nimoy literally pulls gloves off of Scotty. Yes. <laughs> and then does the remember. Uh, like he could just, they could have just as easily, he could just as easily done that with Scotty. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. But he chose McCoy. He chose McCoy. And so, which I think speaks to, you know, it's, it's on so many levels, you know, for all of their, you know, arguing and, and disagreements, you know, they respect one another. And yes, know, Kirk, you know, feels, uh, you know, like a brother to Kirk. Uh, sorry, Spock feels like a you know brother to Kirk. Does he feel the same way to McCoy? I don't, I guess I wouldn't say that, but they definitely, I think he, I think he respects McCoy for all of his emotional failings. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and boy, wouldn't that have, have, have changed things if he had done Scotty or even some random ensign in the engine room, you know, just oh, yeah. whoever was happened to be nearby. Um, that would have made things, I don't know. I guess how much would it have changed the film? I guess it would have changed the film, this one. Right. But it would have still been the same urgency. We got to get this dude who's got Spock in his head back to Vulcan. Right. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you like do you like it that it's McCoy? Oh, definitely. I think it's I think it's perfect. It's 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 so fitting. Yeah, and like I said, it, I guess you know, there's so many things they. Could, <laughs> I would have loved to seen him like talking to himself quietly in the corner, like, "Damn it, Spock!" You know why? <laughs> I think he has that moment later in the film when he like you know I think he's t- he's talking to Spock. Yes. Uh, but it would have been fun to see him having like a you know. Like a one-on-one conversation, like a, yeah. a Gollum, like Gollum, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a nice Gollum versus evil Gollum, yeah. you know, McCoy and talking to Spock. Right. Just to have that kind of, that would be, that would be fun to, to watch. Yeah. Um, anyway, what could have been? Yes. Ah, so this minute finishes with Chekhov interrupting their discussion saying, Admiral, there is no response from Grissom on any channel. Hmm. To which Kirk replies, keep trying Chekhov. Yeah, that's what I would have said. Keep trying. Yeah. Keep trying. Yeah, we you'll, are get, in... you'll, you'll get your attaboy. <laughs> All right. Anything else for this minute, good sir? I, no, I I am good for this minute. Yeah. Like I said, that was a it was a better it was a better bridge scene than the past few we've had, so I've I'm I'm pleased. And, you know, especially given where we're going, I don't want any more bad bridge scenes. You know, they, they have to get better. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't want to – it needs to get better, and, and I'm glad this one – I'm glad I feel better about this one, and I'm sure everybody else is glad too. Thank <laughs> God Chris is happy about this bridge scene. <laughs> okay, uh, let's wrap it up then um, and invite folks out to uh, uh, Facebook. Um, everybody's on Facebook. You should be on Facebook too. And while you're at it, Join the Star Trek Minute Listener Federation, which is also on Facebook. Uh, that's our community where uh, listeners and Dave and I, we all get together. We chat about all things Star Trek. We'll um, 
do follow-ups on the minutes that have just come out. Um, we'll talk about Star Trek trivia. We'll talk about Star Trek Discovery. Um, all things Star Trek. We'd love to hear from you. And um, we'll be back again on Friday talking about Minute 58 of The Search for Spock. Here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Bye. Bye.